you know, a lot of times if you have bad data coming in, you're going to have bad outcomes. Um, a lot of times with the real estate, we find we just don't have a lot of good data and you know, people are taking care of these properties. A lot of times kind of on the side, you know, it's not like their primary business. They're not an expert in it, that sort of thing. Welcome to Retire Smarter with Kevin Krosky. Find answers to your toughest questions and get educated about the financial world. It's time to retire smarter. Well, hey there. Welcome back to another edition of Retire Smarter. Walter Storholt here alongside Kevin Krosky, President and Wealth Advisor at True Wealth Design, serving you throughout Northeast Ohio and Southwest Florida and the greater Pittsburgh area. You can find us online at truewealthdesign.com. We've got a great show on the way for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about real estate and uh, assets and uh, business values and those kinds of things and wrapping them into your retirement plan. We'll get to all those details in a few moments. But Kevin, great to be back with you. How are you, sir? Walter, it's uh, it's my pleasure. We're we're coming here pretty close to uh, to Father's Day, and uh, my my two and a half year old, soon to be three year old, um, is uh, you know in a little sort of preschool. And um, I have something in front of me. I thought I'd I thought I'd share. It says "My Daddy" by my my two and a half year old. So um, so it's kind of like a fill in the blank sort of thing. But um, it says "My Dad's name is Daddy." <laughs> Very pragmatic. <laughs> <laughs> he is three years old, so my my daughter's going to be three. Uh, so you'll see a theme here. I think she's blurted out things as she was being asked. So I'm, I'm definitely not a little bit older than three. <laughs> he is as big as me. <laughs> he has no hair and brown eyes. My eyes are blue, but who is counting? <laughs> His favorite food is lettuce. <laughs> oh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His favorite color is red, blue. <laughs> um, he likes to go to the store to get food and pizza. Um, okay. Ding, ding. Okay. Got one. <laughs> For fun, he likes to lay down and sleep. Double ding, ding. <laughs> and my favorite thing to do with my dad is play Play-Doh. So. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's his little laminated thing. It was uh, we got a good laugh out of it. It was really cute. Well, she got a few right there. It sounds like so that's good. <laughs> yeah, she thinks she, she she knows her birthday and she's she already thinks she's three. So it's uh, it's cute. She's like I like that. She, she's not messing around with the two and a half or two and two and three quarters or you know two and x amount of months. She's just like, nah, I'll just stick with the round numbers and round up to three. That's the yeah. math. That, that's the math influence that you've probably had on her already. Yes, and my uh, my seven year old isn't doing the halves either. I just um, I remember doing that a lot. You know, I'm I'm six and a half, I'm seven and a half. You're always sure. kind of rounding up, sort of thing. And uh, neither one of them are doing it. So yeah, I don't think you until you get to ten, then it's like uh, then it stops. The half years aren't don't matter anymore. But anyway, and then as is... you maybe get further up, it's just decades. You just <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, that's true, right? I'm in my early twenties or early, late twenties, early thirties, and then eventually you're just I'm in my forties. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it just gets broader and broader. I'm of retirement age eventually when you get to that point, right? No <laughs> right. need to drill in any further than that. Or you just give a stern look back, like, don't ask me that question. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Exactly. Well, uh, as I mentioned, we've got a great show on the way today. And uh, yeah, happy Father's Day this month to uh, all of those who are listening to this show after its release and or near its release. And I um, hope everybody has uh, a good month and a good weekend when that rolls around. Uh, let's dive into the topic today, Kevin. And I know this is uh, actually I'm kind of excited for it because 
I like talking about real estate. I host a couple of real estate podcasts and radio shows, more about just you know buying and selling real estate, uh, talking to different real estate agents across the country and things like that, and less from an investing standpoint. So I'm excited to kind of get a little bit of exposure to your point of view, your opinion of where you see real estate kind of involved in people's lives, especially when it comes to retirement and planning. And I know you also want to talk a little bit about business values and kind of wrapping all of these things into the conversation of retirement and planning. So I'm looking forward to where you take today's episode. Yeah, me too. You know, I've had uh, a few meetings recently with clients that were business owners. Um, Some had a lot of real estate, you know, some had um, what I would call like an operating business, you know, something that they work in day in, day out sort of thing and not necessarily as passive as real estate. But we, we were working on some planning for them and it's just a different level of complexity and the assumptions that you make in any retirement plan matter a great deal. They're definitely more difficult to make with some of these, what I would call illiquid assets. So if we just back up and not necessarily just focus on real estate or businesses, but you know, any of the stocks or bonds, cash that you have, very easy to value. Um, maybe a little bit more difficult to think about how those values may change in the future. You know, you have to think about some sort of return expectations, which we're actually going to talk about in, in our next episode. Um, you know, what can we expect from stocks and bonds and real estate? Uh, but when you cross over from the liquid to the non-liquid, you know, even valuing the asset becomes more difficult. You know, what is my business worth? Well, it's worth what somebody's willing to pay for it, right? Real estate may be a little bit easier, at least for, say, single family homes. You know, everybody's probably poking around on Zillow or Realtor.com these days. It's, it's just kind of a, it seems to be like almost a daily hobby for many people, particularly <laughs> with the hot real estate market that we're in. Um, so I, I, I've been blown away by some of the, uh, and we, we just, you know, moved a little over two years ago, and I've been blown away by some of the different open door offer, you know, valuations and, you know, different things that people are saying, oh, your home's worth this now. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a good price, good time for asset price inflation all around, real estate included. You know, if you have equity in the home uh, and it's not like an ATM machine, you just can't you know, punch through the wall and uh, reach in and, and pull out money from between the walls. Um, you know, you have an equity value that's in there, you know, whatever the market uh, value of the property is minus any any debt that you have on the property, and that's your net equity, but it's certainly not liquid. It's probably a little bit more liquid than a business. Um, you know, even though it's, uh, you know, you do have pretty high transaction costs. That's one of the things that liquidity, maybe let me define that briefly. Liquidity is basically how easy an asset is converted into cash. So obviously if it's in cash, boom, very easy. If you have a stock or a mutual fund, you can sell it any day that the market is open and have cash in your account within, you know, maybe a, a day or a few days at most. Same thing with bonds. So uh, there's a little bit more, um, you can get a little bit more complicated than that, but um, nonetheless, it's, it's, it's kind of a good proxy for liquidity. You go into real estate in this market, maybe you can sell your house, you know, in a, in a week or so, um, close in, in a couple of weeks, but maybe, you know, traditionally it takes a little bit longer, maybe a couple months, depending where you're at. And maybe a business, you know, could, could candidly take a couple of years, commercial property a little bit longer. So, you know, everybody has real estate. Anybody that's going to sell real estate, 
Um, you need to make some assumptions in your financial plan about it. Uh, you know, what kind of value are you going to get for it? You know, uh, ultimately, what are you going to buy next? Those sorts of things. So every, this really applies to everybody. But the more these non-financial assets that you have, if you are a business owner, if you do have investment real estate, the more uh, it matters to go ahead and model these appropriately within your plan and the more you're probably going to get out of our conversation today. It's interesting that you're hearing more and more about this from uh, people in, in your meetings and your conversations with them. Is that specifically because we've seen such a high increase in the in the home values and people are just now more and more curious about, hey, should we go ahead and try and lock in some of these gains and sell our home and change our living situation and that sort of thing? Um, I would say a couple things. I mean, uh, we have had several clients buy second homes recently. So you know, we had to model that within their financial plan. Um, you know, they have some money going out today, but they're probably not going to hold on to two homes forever. So, you know, one of the homes is going to be sold or downsized at some point. So you need to project those values forward and then, um, and then the money's going to come back into your retirement plan and available for spending. So that's kind of a common one. Or even if somebody's just downsizing, you know, that, that could be one. But we've also just had, um, just over the last couple of weeks, I had several meetings with business owner clients or clients that uh, maybe weren't business owners, but they had, you know, some investment real estate, you know, as uh, kind of a passive income sort of thing that they've done over the years. So that's really where it's coming from. Um, but again, it, it applies to anybody with real estate uh, to a certain degree, but the more you have of these illiquid assets, the more it's going to apply for you. So we'll start with real estate and then we'll go into businesses. Um, I think real estate's maybe a little bit more intuitive, and a little simpler, but you know, we have a lot of clients that maybe own a property, rental property or two or three. Um, you know, maybe they got into it when they were younger or, you know, back in the 2000s, everybody was going to become like a real estate tycoon uh, as before the bubble burst in 2007. So we still have, uh, see a lot of clients that, that have properties like this. But, you know, when you think about it, if you own a property or two, um, it's not the same thing as owning like a real estate mutual fund that's highly diversified through geographies, through asset types, whether it's, you know, multifamily, whether it's office, retail, industrial. So, so very, very different. So anytime that you're modeling things in the financial plan, you just really need to kind of think about, uh, the risk and, and, and again, kind of how you're modeling it overall. Um, but. When you think of real estate, I'd say the common mistake that people often make is they look at some, you know, kind of gross rents that they have. Maybe they think about some expenses that they typically have. And then they say, okay, hey, here's my net cash flow. You know, that's, that's what I have. Let me, I can bank on that. I'll just kind of put that in my financial plan. Well, that doesn't work so well. For one, when you think about any financial plan uh, that you're, anyone's constructing for you, uh, whether it's through software or through using Excel or something like that, if you're putting an income stream within the financial plan, basically you're, you're putting it in and it's considering it as just like it's a pension that's not going to vary per month or even like a social security payment that is going to continue for your lifetime. Real estate is not that certain. Your income from the real estate is certainly not that certain, uh, particularly if it is, you know, just a property or two or three or four rather than, you know, hundreds of properties or something like that. So you got to think through your income. Everybody's going to have some repairs that they're going to have to do over the years, have some unforeseen things. I call it the joy of home ownership. You're always dealing with something, you know, some years may be good, other years maybe not so good. So if you're just going to look at your income, you're probably going to be overstating your confidence to quite a high degree 
when you're actually going through your financial plan and stress testing it. Um, so that's really, really important to remember. What I would say, uh, some other issues actually that I see all the time is maybe the bookkeeping or the tax records aren't all that great. Um, a lot of times you see people, you know, maybe their records, well, I mean, we do the tax returns. So a lot of times we get information on the rental properties and we have a lot more questions. What about this? What about that? Like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot to put in my real estate taxes or my insurance or whatever it may be. So, you know, a lot of times if you have bad data coming in, you're going to have bad outcomes. Um, a lot of times with the real estate, we find we just don't have a lot of good data. You know, people are taking care of these properties a lot of times kind of on the side. You know, it's not like their primary business. They're not an expert in it, that sort of thing. So having good information. Um, or a lot of people don't treat it like a business, right? And when, when really that's what it is. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. I could, I could really kind of go on and on about this real estate and, and it's, it, for most people, it hasn't turned out. If you're just buying like a single family rental, in my experience, it hasn't turned out to be that good of an investment for most people. When you look at it versus other investment alternatives that they could have done. Um, that's, I, I like real estate, but I'm just talking about kind of like simple single family, you know, kind of try to do it on the side sort of thing. It just hasn't, again, we do the tax returns. I've kind of seen this and looked at the cash flows, modeled this in many, many financial plans. For most people, it just hasn't maybe met their expectations. Or if they do, maybe they don't, it hasn't done as, as good as what they really have thought that it's done as well. That's, that's often the case. People are putting more money and more time into it than they foresaw going into it. And it's just been kind of underperforming compared to some other alternatives they could have done. But, you know, the point being the income, if you're just taking your income uh, and put it into some spreadsheet financial plan, you're treating it like a pension, you're treating it like Social Security. It definitely is not that. Um, so it's really overstating the confidence that you have in that income stream. What I would suggest is often a better way to go ahead and handle this is, you know, just look at the equity value of the property. You know, if you have a hundred thousand dollar property that's paid for, just put a hundred thousand dollars, you know, treat it like a regular asset that you would have, like an investment account. And then we could just treat it like, Hey, let's just say, yeah, it's only one property. It's not diversified, but let's treat it like a real estate fund at least. And we'll project it forward at, you know, a more reasonable sort of rate of return, but, and, and not just an in income. Uh, and then we can also stress test it that way. So where the income is really not subject to sh most stress tests in financial plans or in, in just a linear projection in an Excel sheet, if you do put in an asset value, there are different ways that you can go ahead and, and more accurately stress test that. Uh, Monte Carlo simulation is a kind of a fancy mathematical term for one of those ways that you can do it. Um, but th that's really kind of one of the keys that's there, you know, just looking at the equity value in the home and then projecting for like an asset and subject to stress tests that you would do for other liquid assets within your financial plan. It can get a lot more complicated than this. You know, are you going to hold this property for your lifetime? Are you going to sell it? You know, what the tax implications are upon sale? You know, those are all things that need to be worked through, but, you know, we won't get into that today. But the key thing about investment real estate is for most people, you're, you're pretty, you're not very well diversified. You own a property or two or three or four, um, particularly if it's single family. I mean, you only have a couple doors there versus a big multifamily uh, apartment that maybe has a hundred doors. But if you go out and you buy a real estate mutual fund or, or something like that, you may have thousands of doors and property types and geographies that you're diversifying against. So that's that's one. Um, and then two is really you can't use the income for projection purposes. It 
greatly overstates the confidence uh, within your financial plan, particularly if that um, if those holdings are pretty sizable relative to your total wealth. So a better way to do it is just kind of think through it and look at the net equity, maybe even net equity after taxes if you're going to sell it, and then project it forward like an asset subject to the other stress tests that you would do for the other liquid investments that you would have. Um, let me pause for a moment. Walter, are you with me? Did I lose you here, buddy? I'm with you. I mean, I'm picking up the the idea that you need to run real estate like uh, like it's a business entity as part of your financial plan. And that's probably why you've also looped in the business values into kind of this same conversation, if we're going to view those through the, a similar lens as one another. Yeah. And, and again, it's really anything that's illiquid, illiquid being that it's it's you know, how easy can you convert it to cash? Um, the more illiquid something is, you may not know what the price of it is. You know, it's going to have transaction costs. Like just when you sell real estate, you're, you're going to have title costs. You're probably going to have some brokerage fees, things like that. You may have some negotiation where, hey, you're asking a hundred thousand, but your best offer is maybe 95. So, you know, there's a 5% spread there. So anything that's illiquid, typically there's a bigger spread between, you know, the, the, you know, the ask price and then the buy price. Uh, that's another way to think about it. And the same is true and even more so for businesses. So when you think of like a single family home, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, may be interested in buying a, a home in your community. Um, there's a lot of different sales, but if you have a business, uh, well, you know, depending on the type of business, maybe there's more of a, you know, a market for it. You know, if you have a, a McDonald's franchise or something like that, um, you know, franchises are maybe a little bit more sellable, particularly if they're well known. Um, if you have some sort of unique skill, you know, what kind of business value is there? Um, you know, maybe there's many less buyers. Um, maybe there's less people that would, you know, really want to give you what you feel is market value for that. Um, so, I mean, you can get into other things too. I mean, you could get into art or collectibles. I mean, all of those are other examples of illiquid assets, but I'd say real estate and businesses are the ones that we most commonly see in our practice. So for business owners, one of the things I would say is, you know, you really need to just look, I would say, at a base case. How well is your retirement plan funded without relying on the sale of your business? So, you know, have you built up assets in your 401k, maybe in a joint or trust account, any Roth IRAs, things like that? Have you paid off your house? You know, did you eliminate the mortgage, what have you? Um, yeah, so if you get zero from the sale of your business, how well does your retirement plan look like? That's often a really good base case to start with. Uh, before you start looking at any sort of scenario analysis for the business. And what I mean from the scenario analysis is maybe just looking at a few different like low, mid, high values for the business being sold, you know, at some point in the future. Uh, so that's also helpful. So for, for many clients, we may have kind of a base case and an alternate scenario for the financial plan. When you get into business owners like this, um, you may have multiple scenarios. Um, but if you have that base case where their, their kind of core needs for retirement are well funded without reliance upon the business. Well, that's a good starting point that to me as an advisor brings a lot of confidence that, Hey, they're going to be okay. It's just more of a question of how okay are they going to be? And then you can get into the scenario analysis and, and maybe start looking at some, you know, low, mid, high values. And pragmatically, one of the things that I found over the years is when you're working with a business owner, you know, kind of giving them, uh, walking them through that and then maybe giving them a number that they do need if they do need some money from the business will help them go through the sale process. It's a very 
complicated, stressful thing to do, you know, kind of sell your baby, your life's work, so to say. And um, if you at least know that you're going to be okay on the other side uh, to a high degree of confidence for your own personal retirement plan, and you know the number that you maybe need to net out from the business, uh, it will just kind of lay out the options that you have to go ahead and sell the business, whether you're going to sell it internally to somebody, maybe a group of key employees or something, or you need to seek, you know, some outside sale or something like that. Just lots of moving pieces, it sounds like, to evaluating any of these decisions. And you got to make sure you're making it in context with your entire retirement plan. You can't make any of these choices in a vacuum. If you think about the retirement planning process overall, it's something that at True Wealth we call a retire smarter solution. But step one in our six-step process is what we call the retirement visualizer. It's really aggregating your financial assets. You know, it's looking at you know, those assets that are liquid. Those are pretty easy to look at. Uh, again, you have to project some values forward. You know, what rate are they going to grow at over time? And we'll actually talk a little bit more about that in the next episode. Um, but you're going to then also have to look at these non-financial assets. I mean, we have some clients where, you know, maybe they have a million dollars in liquid assets, but maybe they have three or four million dollars in non-liquid assets. That's a really different retirement plan uh, to work with uh, compared to somebody that maybe has all their assets in the liquid uh, bucket except for, you know, a primary residence that they have. So that first step when you're aggregating everything together and projecting it forward is important. But, you know, the more complex, the more illiquid the asset, uh, the more difficult it is to think through and, and, and model it. And, you know, it, again, everybody has some real estate, so this is impactful for everybody to some degree. But the more that you have in that non-liquid bucket, the more important this is. And um, you know, business owners are often some of the most complex clients that we have to work with. Uh, that we have the pleasure of working with, but you really have to think through some of the risks uh, and cash flows as well as some of the modeling that you do to make sure that you're thinking through everything well and getting a, a future projection that is is, is reasonable. Um, you know, if you can just put something in and, you know, hey, I got this rental property and I have this great income last year, I'm just going to project that forward forever. Well, you're going to be disappointed. I can't tell you what year you're going to be disappointed, but at some point it's going to happen. Do you find it easier or more difficult to model or predict where you know these illiquid assets are going to end up and play into the plan versus some of the more traditional you know stocks, bonds, and savings and those kinds of things that you're working with on a daily basis with many clients? What do you find more difficult to wrap into the plan? Um, you know, it's, it's a good question. I mean, it's definitely more complex to model these illiquid assets, like I mentioned. Um, but, you know, if you were at least before maybe a year ago, before this whole real estate boom and COVID, real estate was pretty easy to model. I mean, particularly if you're in a place like Ohio, um, you know, you didn't have much growth. Um, you had, you know, as long as the home was in, you know, uh, had some comparables in the neighborhood. I mean, it was fairly easy to take a guesstimate what they're going to get out of it. Um, subtract out some costs that you have and there you go. You get in the businesses more difficult. You get in investment real estate, um, maybe a little bit more difficult, but, um, again, it applies for everybody. You know, we all make assumptions in our financial plan. We'll talk about, you know, some of the, not so much the methodologies. We'll talk a little bit about the methodologies for thinking about forecasting stock and bond returns and real estate returns. 
uh, in the next episode. Um, but when it comes into a, a business, like, I mean, if I just think of my business specifically, there's a lot of other financial advisors that are out there. A lot of financial advisors sell their business every year. So there's some, you know, there's some comparables. There's a market for it to a certain degree, but there's just, you know, you know, the business is largely dependent upon myself. And so it's a little bit more concentrated um, compared to, you know, something that is like investment real estate or something like that. So everything's different. Um, you do have to think through it. I was talking with a business owner who has an insurance company recently, and he made a really smart guy, really successful. He made the comment um, that's true for most business owners, but um, I took issue with what he said. And he said, you know, I take the most risk in my business. I said, well, Steve, let's think about that for a minute. I mean, Steve's in the insurance business. Um, You know, everybody, a lot of property and casualty insurance for your house and your cars. Been around a long time, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of years to a certain degree. Um, everybody needs it to a certain degree, you know, his revenues, I'm like, do your revenues change that much? And you know, no, you know, last year we were flat, even with COVID we were okay. And I said, well, you know, how long has the business been around? And in his case, the business has actually been around for almost a hundred years. <laughs> so I'm like, Steve, wow. I get, I get it, but I, I think you're fine, buddy. I, I would, I would kind of take issue. Now, if you're starting a technology company from scratch and have no revenue, um, you know, different, different ball game there. Um, so, you know, it's that kind of unique snowflake that we, that we all are as individuals. Every business is different. Every property is different, but you definitely get more disparity, um, when you get into business assets for sure. And as Kevin mentioned, we're going to kind of continue this conversation, but switch gears a little bit to talk about those 10 year return expectations in some of the more traditional investments that we've talked about here on retire smarter in the past. So make sure you come back for that next episode. Number Number 75, a little bit of a milestone episode for you there, Kevin. You're, you're, you're getting closer and closer to 100. Um, so episode 75, we'll dive in a little bit more into that conversation. But in the meantime, if you have any questions about illiquid assets, uh, how those in you know get involved into your retirement plan and financial plan and where those fit in, and you want to walk through some of the things but in more specifics with Kevin and the team at True Wealth Design, there's a couple ways you can get in touch. One, you can set up a time to meet with a qualified uh, certified financial planner by calling 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855-TWD-PLAN. Or go to truewealthdesign.com and click on the Are We Right For You button to schedule a 15-minute call with an experienced advisor on the team. Again, that's truewealthdesign.com, and we'll put the contact info in the description or the show notes section of today's show. Kevin, thanks for uh, covering this for us today, talking about some of these illiquid assets. Work on uh, on your growth a little bit, you know, that three feet tall. you gotta got to work on that a little bit as you, uh, you know, your daughter, your daughter <laughs> thinks you're kind of short there, it sounds like. <laughs> Three years old. Oh, three, three years old. Tall. Well, no, yeah. but she's probably like what three feet tall, right? So <laughs> she is a little bit more. She did than say that, you were yeah. as tall as she was. Everything yeah, is true. just three. That's what it all circled back. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Well, enjoy the time, and uh, we'll talk to you a little bit later this month. And thanks everybody for joining us here on Retire Smarter. Talk with you soon. Thank you, Walter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.